0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No process. Over 3 by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Imran. Two of us are convening here. Uh, The World Cup is going on. In fact, we're recording while Portugal are playing and just before Brazil. But most of the first kind of round of matches are finished off now. Uh, We have various bits of Manchester United news to cover. Of course, Ronaldo is going to have to get a mention, the Glazers, uh, the Women's Super League and a couple of other things. Then, yeah, we will also chat about what's happening at the World Cup and focus on our players over there. But look, Imran, let's uh, kick off with all the Manchester United news, because even though the season is over... There has been quite a bit of things happening in the last couple of days. Um, So I know you and Ushwin were on the last podcast and kind of chatted a fair bit about that Ronaldo interview. So we won't rehash all of that. But the news has now been confirmed in the last couple of days that he is officially leaving. I think we all knew that was going to happen. And it's just kind of good that it's been done quickly and we can all move on from it, right?
2: Yeah, it was the only outcome, really the worst outcome would have been a messy legal proceedings that some were rumoured to have United taken him to court or whatever, and that just wouldn't have been very, very good. So it's better it's over, it's better it's over and done now. We can look forward to January. The club can, hopefully, start preparing for some moves in January to replace him. Uh, he's not our problem anymore, and yes, but the, the best solution all around is for him to just have left.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was no other option after that, uh, especially, you know, when he started talking badly about Eric Ten Hag, the manager and things like that, there was only one way it could possibly go and I guess Ronaldo obviously wanted to leave, he wouldn't have done all this, he wouldn't have said all that if he had any intention of staying at the club. No, I mean this he's got what he wanted,
2: uh, he's out of there and to be honest with you in, in, in for the club it, I don't really think that Ten Hag wanted him around anyway, maybe other club people at the club wanted him around for various merchandising reasons or whatever but for the club, for Ten Hag, it's probably a good thing because he now has a strong position at the club. Uh, no one's more powerful than him. Um, this just adds to that. Uh, I don't think you'll get any other players crossing him. And if they do, they'll know the door, where the door is and the club have got rid of him, um, which, you know, we needed to move on from Ronaldo and we have. So I'm I'm very happy. Like the interview shouldn't have happened, but this was the best outcome from it happening was him him leaving. He's got what he's wanted. We've got we what we've wanted.
1: Exactly. It's sad that it ends like this because obviously, you know, especially first time round, he was an amazing player for us, won the Ballon d'Or. And, you know, even though we had these discussions last season about was it good for him to come back? Is he good for us, bad for us? You know, he scored these goals, but he's affecting the play. I still kind of did enjoy that return to the club and that initial period. But, you know, this season, it was pretty clear it was all going downhill very quickly. And you only have to look at our stats, you know, uh, with Ronaldo starting, we only won 25% of our matches this season and 70% of our matches when he didn't start. And, you know, every stat just shows that we were so much better off without him in the team. Uh, And, you know, I'd said even since he first came last season that if Ronaldo could accept being part of a squad, coming in now and again, playing half an hour, doing, you know, bits of maybe cup games and things like that, he could still be a useful squad player, but it's pretty clear he's not able to look at himself in that kind of role and still thinks he should be starting every game um and yeah that's not going to be happening and like i said as we're talking right now portugal are playing and i had half an eye on it and i've seen him miss a couple of not easy chances but you know a few years ago he would have been having at least two goals in this match already uh so it isn't just us he's struggling for well he has got one goal i don't know if
2: you've seen he's got a penalty
1: Oh no, I haven't. I missed that while I'm setting up over here. <laughs> well, he scored a
2: penalty, but then Ghana have literally just scored a goal, so it's one all now. That gives people a, a bit of a time frame when we're recording this. Um, another thing I, I just wanted to say quickly on this was: so when he did, when he came back, I, I actually actually made a comment on the calf. Anyone can go look at it, saying I'm pretty sure this will all end in tears. Like I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I had no idea it ended like this. To be fair, and this was a surprise even for me. But I did, I just did see it ending badly and. I mean, I did never want him to come in the first place. But while he was here, it was like last season. Even I said at the point, like we were relying on his goals a lot because we were terrible. Um, and he was the he was the player for last season, but he just not wasn't the player for this season at all. And I think a lot of his powers have deserted him. Uh, you know, he's getting older, not getting any younger. It's got a lot worse. I think this season, and he really needs a system that's built around him. And we just we're we're not that system at all anymore. So he needed to move on. And yeah, I did, I did not think it would end this badly. I really didn't. I just thought it would end with him like being a bit terrible, but with the terribleness and the drama, that's a, that's a whole new level, I think.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, look, it turned into a bit of a kind of power struggle, didn't it? Ronaldo versus Ten Hag. And well, there's only I'm one glad. From that. Yeah, exactly. Ten Hag has set his stall out. He said, listen, you do things my way or you're not going to play. Uh, and, it was really sad to just see Ronaldo coming out, slagging off Ten Hag, then even slagging off Ranić, who, you know, you could see last season as well. Ranić didn't particularly think Ronaldo was the best option and he was pretty open about the fact that he wanted another striker, but he didn't get him. So he played him. Hmm. But that's the way it went well, over there. I also think there. that Ragnik
2: just, like, could not be asked with the hassle of not playing him. Like, yeah, he, he didn't have
1: enough power, whereas no, Ten Hag no. knows that I've got the power, I've got the backing, I'm here for the long term. So yeah, you've got to listen to the way I do it. And That is the problem. Ronaldo is not ready to adapt, and it's not that surprising at this age. I mean, I've even been a bit worried about the likes of Casemiro coming in at age 30, who's won plenty of things, played in a certain system, adapting to a different way. But he seems to have been ready to do it, and, you know, has been doing really well after his kind of initial month or so, adapting to the way he's come in, done the way Ten Hag wants to go and yeah, it's all going well for him. Whereas Ronaldo doesn't think he should have to adapt. He just thinks everybody should play the way he wants. And, uh, you know, and it isn't just for us. You know, he's been getting flack on the international stage as well. I understand Portugal fans as well have been saying that maybe it's time to start playing a uh, younger striker up there and see how it goes from there. But look, we will st- still keep an eye on him at this World Cup. And like I said, we will talk a bit more on the World Cup in the second part of this show. But look, the one thing Ronaldo did do in that interview that I was kind of happy in a way to hear him say was he did call out the Glazers, our owners over there now. I don't think Ronaldo did this for anything apart from self-interest because he knows that the fans, a lot of them, will kind of lap this up. And you even see now people on Twitter calling him like the saviour of the club and things like that, which to me are pretty ridiculous because, you know, there's only one reason Ronaldo is talking about this now. is because he knows he's out of there. You know, he never said anything before he came into the club last season when the Glazers were here, didn't say a word. Now, all of a sudden him, you know, he starts talking about how bad everything is at the club. And a lot of those things were not a surprise to us. You know, we know that our club has not been invested in properly. We know that the infrastructure has not been updated uh, about the training ground, uh, Old Trafford, or things like that. These are not really surprises to us. Uh, so while it was good to hear him call out the Glazers over there. I still really hate to see him put out there on, you see comments on Twitter where people say, oh, you know, Ronaldo's doing this. It's so great. He's a legend and whatever. I mean, I don't know where you sit on things like that. And whether he's a legend or not. Well, the people are saying that, that he's come out now and calling out the Glazers is like a brilliant move from no, him. I... And people are even now linking this. Of course, you know, the news we're going to talk about now is that the Glazers have now officially come out and said they are open to selling the club or looking for investors at least. And people are linking this as if no, like that's... Ronaldo saying this a week ago has pushed the Glazers to sell the club, which is absolutely ridiculous. That's nonsense. Come on.
2: Um... I agree with you. Ronaldo was only saying it for a bit of self-interest. Uh, get people on his side and you know, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's a smart man. Um, it was all very pre-calculated, I think. And I don't think that has any link to the Glazers actually selling up. That'll be a decision well in the offing. I don't think any, no businessman just decides, oh, I'm going to sell now after Ronaldo said something about me in a week, you know, this has probably been on the offing for a couple of months, you'd imagine. Um, Well, I think it's even
1: longer than that. I mean, if you remember, like we can even go back to like the summer where there was rumblings and there was a story of, that had come out remember like then a lot of kind of rumors came out with Jim Ratcliffe and papers went to talk to him saying are you talking to the Glazers because it had been rumored like it was a few months ago already saying that the Glazers had started talking to investment banks and they kind of denied it and said they were more talking about how they would finance rebuilding Old Trafford but it's pretty clear now that you know they've been looking at these kind of options for a few months Uh and it is interesting that you know the Liverpool owners just like a few weeks or a month ago or so also came out and said they're looking to sell so all of a sudden it does seem that the american owners in the premier league maybe think values have peaked and it's time for them to bail out
2: yeah so an interesting one although it wasn't liverpool and also decided they said they're not actually selling
1: look the Glazers have said a similar thing they've just kind of come out with a wishy-washy statement saying look we're open talking to other people but This statement means that if somebody comes in and gives them the right offer, Mm. they will sell the club. Yeah, but they, you know, nothing's done and dusted, so they don't want. Nobody wants to come out and say we want to sell because then obviously the price is driven down. People are not going to offer. So they say, oh, maybe we're looking for investors. Maybe we'll sell a bit of shares. But as soon as you say that, everybody who's really out there knows this club is for sale.
2: But the worry for me is that it will just be some American investment. Companies just come in, put a bit of dosh in there and the Glazers stick around.
1: Well, that's it. It's not clear at the moment. And, you know, we have touched on this before. I think the main thing that the Glazers know now is that Old Trafford needs a lot of investment into it. Whether it's, you know, they've, we know that they've been doing studies in the background looking at how much it would cost to redevelop the ground versus how much it would cost to build a whole new ground. And either way, it's going to be hundreds of millions. Mm. And if you're talking about building a new ground, then you even start pushing at like you know, uh, billion or something like that, depending on if you have to buy land and things like that. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge amount. And the glazers simply don't have the money. So not one way or another,
2: in, they're not interested in doing that. And I think I've read I've read somewhere before that in America, it's actually the like the stadiums are, are financed by like local governments and stuff and. Um, sponsors, investments, and stuff. It's not actually the owners who ever actually have to put any money into making the stadiums themselves.
1: Well, yeah, I it just... can often be like that. And to be fair, you know, Manchester City Stadium was built by Manchester City Council. Well, yeah,
2: but that was built for a completely different. That was built for the Commonwealth Games, wasn't it? It was a slightly different thing. But I mean, I'm not saying that. But in this country, it's a bit more. It's a bit more. it's not expected. That someone else will like. It's a kind of kind of expected that the money will come from the owners in some way, shape, or form, or out of the club in some way, shape, or form, not from a third party.
1: Most of the time, I mean, though, if you look down the leagues, there's quite a lot of clubs who've ended up in bad situations where the club doesn't own the ground, and there's all sorts of complications. And it doesn't happen that much in the Premier League, Mm. but there is quite a few clubs down in lower leagues, and that's why they end up in messy situations financially because they don't actually own their own ground. Uh, But yeah. The Glazers would have to finance this, either by selling shares, either by bringing in loans and things like that. So, yeah, I think that is the big thing that's pushed them. Plus, we start getting, you know, how competitive the Premier League is. Like with Newcastle now turning up with Saudi money, you're really talking about seven teams who are going to expect to be in the Champions League. Uh, and, you know, no guarantees for any of them that they're going to make that top four. Which well, is going, up, to be, of course, going to be top five, isn't it? But even
2: still, no guarantees.
1: Yeah, well, even if it's top five, there's still like no guarantees when you start talking about seven different teams fighting for it. And we know it's going to be like that this season. All of them expecting to be in it, Uh, you know, even to get in the Europa League will start becoming like a fight. And yeah, I guess they're just not up for that fight. They don't want to be competing with oil money for investment. And maybe they just say, yeah, this is the right time. Uh, I think the other thing as well was Chelsea's sale maybe went for a lot higher amount than I think a lot of people expected. And maybe that has told Liverpool owners and our own that, all right, yeah, maybe this is the right time where there is interest to sell out. Um, I mean, one point on that is I I always see a lot of incorrect numbers thrown out in the media that Chelsea sold for £2.5 billion. There's a number that goes around everywhere saying that Chelsea sold for four billion pounds, which is not right. It sold for 2.5 billion and the owners then committed to invest 1.5 billion into the club over the next five to 10 years. But Chelsea's price was 2.5 billion. How much our club is worth? I have no idea. I've seen numbers ranging from anywhere from about 4 billion minimum to about 10 billion. Uh it's really difficult to look at because, yeah, we have so much kind of brand and long-term historical value. It's not just about how much the club makes. And then, you know, the big question after that is who can actually afford to buy us? I mean, you said you think most likely is going to be another kind of invest- American investment firm. And that's what we've seen at Chelsea coming in over there. There is, of course, loads of rumours in the papers about other kind of Gulf uh, sovereign wealth funds coming in there. Even though we already have Saudi, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, there's still the likes of Dubai. Yeah, Dubai, Oman, was, Dubai is the other one, isn't it? Apparently yeah, they're because apparently, yeah, Dubai, because their neighbours at uh, Abu Dhabi have got Manchester City, they've never quite got involved in the football side. But there's even several others who've got plenty of money there, whether it's Oman, Bahrain, Kuwait, who knows? Uh, and then, yeah, I don't know if you saw today where I saw a story saying that maybe Apple are interested and Amazon as well. Um, which at first to me, I was kind of like, why would they be interested? But then after looking into it, the reason is because those guys are now all fighting for new like TV platforms, mm. Amazon, Prime TV, Apple TV, and they see it as a way to really launch and push kind of the future of like internet TV and pay-per-view demand systems. And, you know, it's how Sky launched their whole system decades ago. Sky, nobody had Sky until Sky started showing the Premier League back in the early 90s. And now, you know, it's all over the place.
2: Yeah, I do wonder who... I feel like the Apple and the Amazon thing is a bit fanciful. I mean, there was that... Remember Jeff Bezos did that tweet ages ago when, when the first rumors came out earlier in the season. It was just met with a bit of scoffing. Um, I, I even read that David Beckham was interested in putting a group together to buy it. So, like, it's just it's just all nonsense. And it's one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Uh, I'm not going to get too excited. I'm not going to get too into it because, ultimately, one the glazers might not leave and then we'll all be disappointed to whoever the glazers replaced glazers might be just as worse but in different ways so like it's something i'm not going to get excited about until i actually see who we are owned by after the glazers
1: yeah i'm kind of with you on that that you know in a way you think what great news you know we're finally getting rid of these owners who've made a mess of like at least the last kind of decade um but at the same time, until we actually know who's replacing them, it's quite difficult to get excited about it. I I mean, I do know many United fans who just think anything is going to be better than the Glazers. But at the same time, we have seen a lot of bad owners come in and go in the past in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, even at Liverpool, if you see the guys who were in before FSG, when it was that Hicks and Gillette, they made mm. an absolute mess of it. Uh, you know, we've seen other owners go bankrupt, come and go. So, yeah, it's not always the case that anything would be better. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm like you, I'm like, quietly optimistic that we can get a kind of new start and things could be better but until we actually know who comes in and how things work out you can't get that excited about it i mean yeah you mentioned david beckham talking about a consortium uh, he's always putting himself out there that michael knighton you know who failed binders back in the 90s he's been saying for a while that he's got a consortium who have the money ready to come in for a bid for the Glazers. so look there's all sorts of people out there and until we actually hear anything concrete like you, we have to take it all with a pinch of salt and see where all this goes. But look, it is exciting times. I've seen that uh, our share price has shot up to like the highest it's been in quite a while on the back of this news. So, yeah, the market is expecting some kind of movement on it, but I don't think it's going to be anything quick. It's not like Chelsea where Abramovich had to sell and it had to go ASAP. This could drag on for months and months and months. Uh, so, it's not going to be anything that happens that quickly, I don't think. But of course, we will keep an eye on it. See how it's all moving mm. on. The only
2: uh, thing that you, the one thing it does lead to is that po- quite possibly there could be some. We could see some contract extensions coming up fairly soon, and some actually some money spent in January just for, just to pump those assets up of the club.
1: Yeah, well look with the Ronaldo thing you know the big question is even before Ronaldo I think most of us on this podcast were saying we need another striker uh, because you know martial can't seem to stay fit for a couple of weeks and so we were already looking thin on the striker side so yeah in that January window we have got to bring in somebody whether it's a stopgap loan signing like and we've seen no, I think before. I think we'll actually
2: will go buy someone I just'm just, not entirely sure who that will be but I do I do I do see the club going to buy someone, especially with this news. It just adds, adds adds to the sale price. At the end of the day, it's basically whatever they sell this player for can be added to whatever we buy this player for. Sorry, can be added to whatever we are going to be sold for.
1: Yeah, and they definitely want the club to be doing well. You know, if we start struggling on the field, then yeah, the price goes down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah uh, but you know the problem always is in january is who can we buy And i mean i know you briefly touched on this on the last podcast and you mentioned evan tony as being top of the list but since then there's yeah. all this stuff coming out about him being charged for literally hundreds of bets so it's looking quite likely he might end up with a ban and it could even be a lengthy ban i mean if you look i mean i know joey barton had a pretty big ban after like some similar kind of activity but look until we see like the actual details of this but yeah it's i don't think it's going to be the right time to be looking at Ivan Tony, unfortunately.
2: No, I, I, I could see that being could be a year or something that bad, depending on what they want to do with it.
1: But, um,
2: yeah. I, I mean, know. I don't know I what other names. Know.
1: Yeah, what other? I see a few of that. I mean, I have seen. Sorry, I just got distracted names. because it's now
2: Portugal three Ghana two. This actually turned into a really good game after the first half. You basically what, missed. So what you you
1: picked this time for us to do this podcast <laughs> when the best game of the tournament is going on? eh? <laughs>
2: you've you basically missed. You've watched the crap bit of this game and missed all the good bits of this game.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, I watched the first half, nil-nil. No, yeah, all right. This game's kicked into life, eh? Uh, the, so, right.
2: yeah, I, I mean, Gakpo could be an option. Uh, we know we were interested in him in the summer. He can, he, he's more he's Marvel left winger, but he can play through the middle. He actually scored for a goal for Netherlands playing through the middle again. Uh, the thing is that I really game. don't
1: want another one of these, is he a winger, is he a forward? Well, like, I think we need a proper striker. We, we do but I mean he's just he's someone that we know Ten Hag
2: likes and we know the club we're interested in which would put him quite up on the list he's also possibly more attainable than someone who like say Osherman who I don't think Napoli will be looking to sell their star striker anytime soon um, there were rumours of Jao Felix being available on loan for some reason um, not sure what that reason would be he's a quality player i don't know why i'd like to go one be one amount but someone probably in more than no one know better than me so th- i mean there will be someone available and there'll be something around but who knows what that actually is
1: yeah i mean and anyway look it's not until january that the transfer window will reopen so yeah we're still a month or so away from that and obviously we will cover this a lot more at that time uh i think that's going to be a good time for a quick break and we will come back and start talking a bit more about the world cup So no, as I said, we are missing uh, the Portugal Ghana game, which you're telling me is the kind of game of the tournament so far. No, I don't want to go that far, uh, but the second half has been cracking.
2: To be fair, uh, game of uh, the tournament probably has to be. I thought the Japan uh, the Japan game yesterday was fantastic. Really enjoyed that game.
1: But yeah, I know you said on the last podcast that you are a fan of the World Cup. As am I. I've been watching as much of it as I can. I mean, I've not managed to watch, of course, every game. I've watched in every the single game
2: i've not missed a minute of this world cup i mean every it single game live live I, I, some of it has been while i've been working like in the background and been on calls and stuff but it's always been on i've not missed a single minute yet uh, basically what i'm saying is i'm a sadder with no life also it, but, but it helps that like all the games basically during work time and i'm working from home so they can just all be on in the background apart from the evening game and i just put just put the evening game on in the background as well
1: Yeah, I guess that is the big thing nowadays, a lot of people working from home. So, yeah, you can at least have a kind of half an eye on it at least. Uh, And I've been kind of like that with most of the games, just uh, having it on where, although not necessarily watching every minute closely. Uh, But look, I love the World Cup. Uh, There's obviously a huge amount of controversy about this one. I personally think a little bit too much. Um, I do think Qatar deserve criticism. I do think this World Cup should never have been in Qatar. But yeah, now that it is, I do want to watch it all. Um, You know, on Red Cafe, there's, there's a huge amount of discussion, people talking that I'm boycotting it. I'm not watching any big other threads about the various issues out there. And yeah, I do think it's good that a light has shined on that kind of... And it's not just Qatar. It's the whole kind of area about human rights, uh, the migrant workers, things like that. But I do think that there's a bit too much, really. I mean, you look at past World Cups, things like, you know, Russia were hardly like the bastions of human rights in the world or anything like that. And, uh, you know, we've had other World Cups going through other countries where there's been always a lot of criticism and issues. So, yeah, going in a different region, I think, is interesting. seeing a lot of different fans you know there's been a lot more fans from different part of the world that you don't always see uh, lots of north africans there because it's easy for them to get to and yeah so far look I've enjoyed the world cup and I think you can see there as well anybody who's actually gone out there seems to be having a good time whereas before there was a lot of things saying oh who would go there who's going to enjoy this there's no alcohol there's no this there's no that um but now you get all the pictures back and I know a few people out there and they all say that listen it's everything is good over here on the ground. There's a great atmosphere. This is kind of like for the, the actual, I wanted to go to this world cup. And the actual reason I didn't go was because the absolute lack of accommodation. Mm. And I don't know if you've seen that people have been stuck in these kind of temporary tents, uh, yeah, there's either tents or they're kind of like porter cabins. And they were charging an arm and a leg for it as well. Like, you know, if it had been £50 a night or something, I might have said, all right, fine, I'll take it. But they were still charging like 200 quid, or you could go and stay on a cruise ship for like £400 a night. Uh, so it was like, no way, I'm not going out there for that. But uh, then yeah, the couple of people I know are out there said so it's actually a great atmosphere because... Everybody ends up in these kind of fan parks and there's all different countries mixing, having a good time and watching the matches all together over there. So I think, yeah, on the ground, from what I can see, anyone who's gone out there is actually having a good time. And it's, you know, that's what the World Cup's about. Different nations meeting, different people getting together. And, yeah, you do see like a good atmosphere over there. Um the football, I think, hasn't really ignited yet, but it's the first round of games. So it's always a bit like that. The first round is always a bit cagey and you just hope to get a few good ones. And, you know, getting the upsets off Argentina losing, off Germany losing, I think that's like as good as you can expect from a first round of games, right?
2: I think there's a there's a weird thing with the World Cup where it's like this has to be either the best World Cup ever or the worst World Cup ever. And it's just like, sometimes it's just a World Cup, isn't it? There's, some games are good, some games are crap. It's like any football. Um... But we, I, having said that, we've had two games which I'll probably remember for quite a long time. In the the Saudi Argentina game, the Germany Japan game, I won't be forgetting them anytime soon. So I'll take that. A um, couple of nil, bad nil nils. I think the Mexico game was terrible. Um, the one earlier today wasn't great either. Um, I can't remember. I, I literally can't remember what game was before this and it was bad. That's the... That was a nil nil anyway, but yeah. But then the, some games have been good, high scoring ones as well. The France game I enjoyed four one. They played some good football. Uh, yeah, it was Uruguay
1: South Korea. that was Yeah, 0-0, Uruguay 0-0.
2: South Korea. Not a, not. I mean, it wasn't the worst nil nil ever, but it wasn't great. Um, but then yeah, the, the Japan game yesterday was, was as I said fantastic. Just uh, I mean, this I, I love I love the World Cup. I love I love basically you give me you give me any sport with stakes and I'm interested. And the stakes of the World Cup are pretty much as high as you can get from it. Pay, basically every game and i think that's why we've seen a lot of cagey games because because nobody wants to lose that first game especially like the middle teams um the teams who are going to hopefully finish either second or like want to finish second to lose the first game is gonna you know really put a damper on that so you can see them not wanting to lose that which which kind of makes sense
1: Um, every every world cup is like this it doesn't get going until the last round of the group games and then It kind of kicks in as like, you know, teams have something to play for to qualify. And then obviously you hit the knockouts. Mm. Well, apparently,
2: apparently in last year in Russia, in in Russia, there was only one nil nil draw and we've already had like five or something. So it's a a bit different, but I I do feel it's a bit more cagey. Um, But the games that have delivered, I've, I've really delivered quite well, I think.
1: And yeah, and then if we look around at some of our players and how they've been doing, uh, you know, ours, who started for England, have done well. We're sure. And Maguire started. Both got assists. And I thought Maguire had a relatively decent game before he went off kind of injured stroke ill. Uh, Rashford came on, scored a goal within two touches as well. Uh, I mean, I was actually slightly worried about England yep. in this yeah. World Cup. I was not confident going into the tournament. We'd been on such awful form. And, you know, Southgate had picked players who had not been on good form. But, you know, he went with the tried and tested players of for him and to be fair to them they delivered in that first game against iran i mean you can't really ask for much more than a 6-2 win no i, I mean
2: i did expect iran to be a bit better was what i would say i thought it was going to be quite a cagey game but um they were pretty terrible and, and we actually punished them quite well which was nice to see
1: um well, iran would... have that carlos carlos right yeah, as their that's manager. I I would just be and he's really so dull. defensive i mean yeah. you saw actually that once they went down three nil they started to well, all right, let's start playing. And they actually managed to score a couple of goals against us. And you know, if they'd started in that way, maybe they would have caused us some more problems. But I don't think Carlos Quiroz no. has anything in his locker apart from playing super defensively. I mean, also to mention that Iran have a huge amount of kind of political problems going over there. And I think the players, from what I understand, had lots of pressure and lots of things going off, off the field where, you know, there's almost like a nearly civil war going on in the country there.
2: Yeah, it won't help them either. And, um, but ultimately, if, as, from an England point of view, we can only be what's put in front of us. And, you know, you'll take, as you, you said, you'll take a 6 2, especially when you're expecting maybe a cagey 1 0, 2 1 kind of thing. Um, just obviously, there's no question marks about when England come up against a good opposition, what that will look like. But, I mean, started well. And not only that, like the players who are quote unquote out of form, Maguire, uh, Sterling, Scored, Sterling scored, Maguire assisted. I mean, you can't really argue with that, and you can't argue with Southgate sticking to who he's loyal by. Um, it'd be interesting when the poor performances come, or when a poor performance comes, what he'll do then, how he'll react. But you've, that that firepower off the bench, when you, when you can bring on Rashford, Grealish, and Foden in one swing, that that's pretty good. That
1: yeah, but, definitely. I mean, up but front we got so many, and-
2: we've got so many options up front. Sorry, and. Um, it's, just it's midfield, only the defence
1: is the worry, isn't it? Well, I think. Midfield, I, think I
2: mean, Rice and Bellingham, I think I'm, I'm really happy with Rice and Bellingham. I think that's a really good t- tandem. But I think past that, we'd struggle, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. As I say, once our defence starts getting tested, we have to see. And, you know, next up we've got USA. I'm not going to talk about it too much because probably by the time this podcast actually comes out, it'll be quite close to that game happening. Um, but, yeah, we'll review that game after it happens. And then, yeah, with the Welsh in midweek over there. I think the fact that USA and Wales drew is actually a really good result for us. And you know, a win over here now puts us through to the next round. If we manage it against USA tomorrow.
2: Yeah. All but through if we win, um, which I would expect, uh, USA and Wales. I mean, USA did all right, actually in that first half, but I think well, I would, yeah, I would imagine England are far too good for them. We'll look, we should, we see. We'll the see. It
1: should be more of a challenge than we got. And then, yeah, we'll see how the defense gets tested. Uh, I mean, as I say, we're t- as we're talking, Portugal are just finishing off, and just looking at it, see that Bruno's actually got two assists. Yeah, he's had a uh, good game,
2: Bruno today. Um, especially considering he's playing Ronaldo, and apparently they don't play well together. But um, I think Ronaldo didn't have a great game, but Bruno did have a good game, two assists. Can't argue with that. Uh, he's worked hard off the ball as well. Um, yeah, good one from him. And uh, most surprising Dallo hasn't got on the pitch at all, which uh, I'm a bit surprising because I know he's, he'd start for Portugal a bit. Well, it's
1: not that surprising because it's João Cancelo who's ahead of him, and you know he's obviously even though Dallo's had a great season, João Cancelo is one of the best right backs in the world, right?
2: Yeah, but then you might start on the other side as well. Dallo can do both sides, so. Um... Yeah,
1: true, true, but yeah, he's he's in the squad over there, but he's on the bench. I mean, there's a few others who are out there who've not played Varane. Due to injury, Malacia didn't get off the bench, uh, but then Palestri started a game today. That nil-nil. I again, I kind of semi watched it. I thought he did all right over there. It's kind of weird that he doesn't get any minutes for us, but he's actually starting in the World Cup for Uruguay. And you know, Uruguay are a pretty strong team. It's not like one of the Cadenfona teams going out there. Uh, and he's a starter for them. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you say you watched every minute of every game, but yeah, I saw him putting a couple of good balls. If uh, Nunez had been better he would have actually had an assist today himself he put in a good ball for him and he should have finished it off
2: uh he, he did all right you know um he looked, didn't think thing is he didn't look he, he didn't have a great game or anything but he didn't look out of place either is what i would say um especially which is surprising considering he's not he, like he barely, he barely plays for us or I don't, has he ever started a proper, proper game for us i don't think he has has he no
1: um, no I barely even gets not off the bench and i mean you look at the amount of minutes somebody like Anthony Alanga has and you kind of think, well, maybe, you know, surely Palestri could have had a bit more of a chance over here.
2: You'd think, but then, I don't know, maybe he's just not fancied by Ten Hag. It's hard to know. Um, He was
1: also injured, to be fair, at the start of the season. He missed a lot of pre-season, I think. And whereas, you know, Langer was very involved in a lot of the pre-season stuff and even started the season in the team when we had a couple of injuries. Uh, So I think part of that is down to it. But... um... And obviously now the squad is going off to Spain or whatever, but Pallestri not going to be there to have any time with the manager either. Uh, I mean, the other couple of players who have had some game time is there was actually Denmark versus Tunisia. Eriksen played there. It was a, one of the other nil-nils, although it wasn't a terrible game. No, that was it wasn't. Just because it? it was nil-nil. It yeah, was it was quite, quite open. Was, yeah. Um, Hannibal came off the bench there and had like 10 minutes at the end. Uh, the other one that I'm amazed by is that Argentina... Don't start Lissandro Martinez. I think he'll start the next game after that one. I, I really do think he'll... He, he played really
2: well when he came on. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, they're at the moment going with Otamendi and Romero... And as far as I'm concerned, Lisandro Martinez is far superior to either of them. Uh, I mean, I do know that those two have been in the Argentina team together for a while, did pretty well winning the Copa America. So he's kind of stuck with them, but there is no way on earth that a past it, Otamendi and R- Romero from Tottenham are better than Lisandro Martinez.
2: Well, yeah, I, I can, I think a lot of Argentinians feel the same way. And I, I imagine he'll start, especially after that result. Um, I think I can see a few changes from Argentina. Um, what a game that was as well, by the way. Uh, that has yeah, to be... Yeah, no, goal. Look. Goal, goal of the tournament so far has to be... I can't remember his name, but the are the South, number 10 for Saudi, that. Yeah,
1: uh, and like I say, completely unexpected. The Germany and Argentina games where the two teams actually went 1-0 up of all things. Because mm. sometimes, you know, you get teams getting a lucky goal and maybe defending it, but it was not that at all. Well, I mean, it Japan's was... an upset, but I mean, Japan are actually or also
2: have proven to be decent at World Cup. I, I still remember that game against Belgium was it 3-2 where they were they absolutely dominated them for most for like 60 minutes and then just lost it at the end um, yeah Fellaini was but, heavily involved in that yeah. one, I remember but then Saudi like all the players play in the Saudi league
1: pretty much I think what for two clubs is it as well uh yeah, and I, mean, I do think that from what I understand that the Saudi league is actually better than people expect because they have got a ridiculous amount of money. And that's why Ronaldo, of course, we know he was offered to go to the Saudi league. It's but one yeah, of the only solid offers up, we know he had. To go
2: up against actual like top European teams, uh, one of the what second or third third of the World Cup and actually win is quite incredible, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is absolutely incredible. Uh, and then the only game that's coming up, you know, while we're talking is the Brazil game. Yeah, that's, that's where all our players actually do play. So we've recorded this at the wrong time, definitely. Because Well, you say that, but the lineup has literally just come out. We've got four players in the Brazil team. It's the most we've ever, it's the most in any of the squads. Fred, Casemiro, Anthony and Tellez. But actually, only Casemiro is starting this game. Uh, normally you expect Fred and Casemiro to play, but he is not. Uh, He's gone with Luis Paqueta instead, and he's gone with uh, Vinicius and Rafinha on the kind of wings, so Anthony's yeah. not playing. But Anthony doesn't normally start for them, to be no. fair. He does come off of the bench there, and neither does Tellez, so that wasn't a surprise. The only one that is a bit of a surprise is well, that Fred, Fred is not starting. Fred did lose his
2: place a bit, apparently. Uh, just before the World Cup, so, so, so someone told me. I don't know. Don't, don't follow Brazil too much. but No, I, can, I don't if- know.
1: I was looking at it, and Fred was still starting most of the games, especially like the important ones. There was the odd friendlies where they are experimenting. Fred was in most of those matches, but... Anyway, today he's decided to go with Paqueta. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So it is actually only Casemiro starting there and we'll see who might come in from the bench. Um, I mean, I assume, obviously, do you have like a kind of second team that you follow? I mean, we're both obviously hoping England do well in this tournament and that our United players do well. But do you have a second team in the World Cup?
2: No, not really. Just England. Um, I, I got Germany in the sweepstakes, so that's not going very well. Um...
1: And I got it. I got it ran in the sweepstakes, so I just forgot so, that one immediately.
2: <laughs> Although um, actually I
1: think there is a prize in our sweepstakes for having the worst team. So yeah, maybe uh might have some kind of a uh, shot at that one. Um but no 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 no
2: second team. Um I did tip Spain to win it and people kind of looked at me like hmm I don't know about that, but after yesterday I'm pretty happy with that tip.
1: No, yeah, looking at a good tip. Yeah, 7-0 win, the biggest win so far. I mean, look, the, the way I... In every tournament, I want England to do well and then I want the United players to do well. So... I want Brazil to do pretty well with this four over there. But yeah, generally, I will support any team that has a Manchester United player in it. Uh, I did have kind of split, you know, watching that Portugal game and I'm like, "Mm, I kind of don't really want Ronaldo to be doing that well over here after all this stuff. But Bruno's in the team as well. So that was the only one that gave me a bit of a dilemma. Uh, But my second team is actually Morocco because it's a country that I've spent a fair bit of time in doing a lot of work in recent years. And I was there just before the tournament started. And I know a few kind of Moroccans have gone out to this tournament. I know, you know, the North African teams, Morocco and Tunisia, because they're part of the Arab world, have taken like the biggest load of fans to this World Cup than they've ever had at any World Cup ever. So if you watch matches with them, you can see quite a good atmosphere. But yeah, unfortunately, Morocco had, I wouldn't say a dull game. It was like a nil-nil match over there. It wasn't too bad of a game, but yeah, Morocco basically have a super solid defence. Uh, quite a lot of players that people would know hakimi Saiz, maruzi uh, but yeah they're totally lacking up front and yeah that's the way some of these games have gone i do actually think there's been a bit of a lack of attacking quality in quite a few of these matches it does seem that like defence is winning out over attack in this world cup so far
2: yeah um i did watch the morocco game uh, i do, i do like hakimi he's a he's a decent player but um I, yeah I, I don't i don't really fancy them for anything. I don't, don't not even sure they'll get out of the group to be honest with you.
1: Well, not expecting them to get out of the group. They got a 0-0 with Croatia. Next up they're going to be playing um, Belgium and Canada. Uh, but as I say look they're very well organized they actually did the bizarre thing that's of sacking their manager two months before the World Cup started and uh, their manager whose name I cannot pronounce he's a Bosnian guy he's actually qualified the World Cup four different teams in his life Algeria uh, Ivory Coast Morocco and forget the fourth one now I think it might be Japan but in three out of four cases he was fired before the World Cup started after doing qualification so He only ever actually managed to go with Algeria to the World Cup. And it's like the third time that he's got a team to the World Cup. And between qualifying and the World Cup starting, he's been fired. Uh, But yeah, he is a bit of a kind of controversial character. And that's Mm. part of it. He had fallen out with a lot of the Moroccan players. uh, Ziyech and a couple of the other ones who are now back in the fold. But yeah, I always find that quite bizarre that you get rid of the manager just before the tournament starts.
2: I would actually fancy Canada from that group after that Belgium game yesterday. Daylight robbery that Belgium won that game. Um, not sure why Alfonso Davis had to take that penalty either when Jonathan David was on the pitch. Man, who I keep I keep bigging up Jonathan David, then he did nothing yesterday, but he should have taken that penalty and he might have scored it. Uh, well, but he's think, actually
1: yes. another one that's linked with us for the striker position, right? Doing very yep. well out in France. Young I don't Canadian know if willing that into
2: existence, but, uh, but yeah, but he didn't, he didn't really. The chances really didn't fall to him yesterday. It fell to other Canadian players and you think if they did fall to him, they might have actually done something. But I expect them to... I mean, they, they, that was their toughest opposition with Belgium. Obviously, in Belgium, they made Belgium look quite ordinary. Uh, Belgium were poor at the same time. So I, you'd fancy them against Morocco or Croatia to, to cause a bit of a stir.
1: No, I've, we've seen like this in a few matches, actually, where... Teams like Canada or even saw Cameroon earlier on today having a kind of good go, but losing to kind of a bit more experienced teams in Belgium, in Switzerland, teams that maybe have a bit more tournament experience and players that have played a bit more at the highest kind of level. Uh, but yeah, I did think that that Belgium-Canada game, out of all of them, was the most unjust result of any of the games I've seen, because for a good hour, Canada absolutely battered Belgium and then kind of ran out of steam at the end and just didn't have that finishing quality uh but no look as i say i've been enjoying this world cup i do think that the controversy is all a bit bit too much i mean i don't know if you have that much opinion and all that kind of things the one thing i did want to say was i thought it's absolutely ridiculous that the bbc did not show the opening ceremony
2: um i mean i gave my thoughts on the world cup pretty much last pod but um i i don't obviously katar should never have got it in the first place so i think we all know that um just for logistically. country's too bloody small. Um, but anyway, uh, with the bribery and everything, but the corruption. But I, there's also corruption in literally every... I believe there's corruption in pretty much every level of sport. I think anything... any, Anytime anyone gets some given something, when it's Olympics or World Cups or whatever, there's going to be corruption anyway. So the main thing for me is just, obviously, the human rights is terrible. Um, they've got so much money. So much money. It, they can't pay these people, like... A decent amount, given. I mean, obviously, these living standards have improved, which is good, but still not enough. And it's good that like that they're shining a light. I feel like this idea of I think there's a lot of criticism as well, like, oh, why are they, if they're out there criticizing things, why are they out there in the first place? So, well, you got someone's got to be out there to report, and it's better to be out there and reporting than just not reporting at all. So, um, I I'm just gonna watch the football basically, um, but I'm not turning off my head to the fact that you know. The human rights record is terrible. The LGBTQ rights is terrible. Um, But ultimately, I do love the World Cup. I love what it represents. So I will be watching every minute as I have been doing.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of with you on that. I mean... I do think the two things should be separated. I want to just enjoy the football. I mean, I actually sat down like on the Sunday afternoon with my daughter, and this is going to be her first World Cup, said, oh, it's the World Cup. There's going to be this opening ceremony. Let's sit down and watch it. And then the BBC showed this pre-recorded documentary talking about... Gay rights and the migrant workers and things like that, and I was like, "What on earth?" Like, my daughter does not need to be well, watching say, this. I, I, I do think they should have shown. I think it's fine to show that documentary. I think you can do both, though. You can show. I the think they absolutely room. should show of that, and they should have done a proper in-depth documentary, kind of in the evening, and do it for like a good hour instead of like before the first game for like ten minutes. All of a sudden, yeah. just do a half-ass show of it. Like a proper like documentary done for an hour, showing all the things. I would have absolutely liked to have seen that, and. done in a proper journalistic style. To shove that on before the first game while the opening ceremony is going on, to me, was an absolute bizarre decision. Um, But yeah, look, now the football's kicked off and it's all kind of going in. We will update everybody as we're going through and obviously keep as much of an eye as we can on the Manchester United players over there we'll take another quick break and come back finish off with a bit more World Cup stuff and then talk about a few other things that are happening around the club especially like the Women's Super League which keeps rolling on
0: it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
1: So we're back for the last section of the podcast. And obviously, yeah, we've covered the World Cup there. I do want to talk about some, there is still some football going on. Uh, the Women's Super League is still playing on and there was an absolute great game. I mean, I don't know if you managed to catch this match last weekend, Imran. It was uh, Arsenal versus Manchester United, top of the table clash.
2: I watched the, I saw the highlights. I was, uh, I was staycationing in Scarborough. What a, what a wonderful place. Uh, so unfortunately
1: Scarborough in November, uh, Scarborough great, in November great, great choice where
2: everyone goes I'm telling you um, <laughs> so I did I saw the highlights though and it's a, a, a fantastic result I mean you can't take anything away from that result it's absolutely I mean I, I did watch the United Chelsea game the week before and I was had quite a few quite like I was quite hopeful going into it thinking oh you know undefeated Noxia goal I can see us like going toe-to-toe with them but then as the game bore on you saw that Chelsea have just had that extra quality and we're not quite there yet
1: and as I say like, yeah, that's you know, exactly it Dude. you know these were the big games that were going to show how our women's team has progressed uh, you know so far we'd won every game in the league undefeated hadn't even conceded a goal until that Chelsea game but then Back-to-back, we were playing the big two teams, Chelsea and Arsenal. who have won the most women's Super League between them, uh, the strongest teams by far in England. And we lost to Chelsea. Uh, It was the first goals conceded, the first loss of the season. And then, yeah, people were starting to wonder whether it would just been a bit of a false start playing the easier teams. But then that's why this Arsenal game, especially it was away at the Emirates Stadium, was an absolutely huge win. And it was a crazy game. I mean, yeah, we went 1-0 up in this game. Arsenal then went 2-1, and I really thought, oh, again, like the Chelsea game, that their quality is going to be too much. But there, there was this sudden late rally, managed to score two late goals and take this game 3-2. Uh, it was a, Yeah, like I say, it was an absolute brilliant watch. Goals for Ella Toon, Alicia Russo, who are two of our big players, and also Millie Turner, who was actually one who'd made a big, big mistake against Chelsea and was getting a quite bit of flack, uh, scored a goal in this game. So it was kind of nice for her to turn it around
2: yeah so the the Russo goal at the end was just quality and the fact that we had to actually traveling support there as well for them to go celebrate with also a really good touch um we really need to get Russo's contract sorted out I don't know I, I assume it hasn't been sorted out yet but I know it's up at the end of the season isn't it
1: yeah her contract has not been sorted out Ella Toon has just in the last couple of weeks re-signed so we're hoping yeah the club can sort something out there I mean for the first time The club do have a women's director of football, whereas before it was all just overseen by the same person, whether it was Ed Woodward or John Murtor, was dealing with the men and women's side of football. Now there is a new lady in there, uh, Holly Bancroft, I think, uh, who's just taken over and is in charge of the women's side of the game. So, yeah, it's good now that they have their own kind of organisation and separate thing going on over there. And, Mm. yeah, as you say, that last minute winner, seeing plenty of away fans. It's a new thing that having like away section. For the women's game and um, anyone who'd listened earlier in the season, uh, last season, we'd had Natalie on, who's one of like the most prominent women's fans. And we will try and get her on for another show. But I know that she's been pushing a lot to be having kind of away sections in these women's games. And yeah, it's a brand new thing to have travelling support and going around there. And yeah, it's great to see over there. Uh, And in fact, for those who are missing the football, if you're up in Manchester the women's team will play their first match at Old Trafford in a couple of weeks time. I think it's December the 3rd or something like that. But first weekend in December, basically the women's team are playing Aston Villa at Old Trafford. uh, This been a lot of tickets sold already but there is still tickets available so yeah that's well worth going to if you're missing the games and I I say as well to people it's like a good opportunity to go to Old Trafford if you've never been because it's difficult to get tickets for the men's games whereas yeah for this game over there you can get tickets relatively easy and they're very cheap Uh, so yeah United versus Villa at Old Trafford will be going on over there and keeps the Manchester United ball rolling um the one other game has been going on as well is that there is the papa john's trophy or the, yeah the pizza cup as some people like to call Big it papa john's so uh our youth team have progressed to the next youth round team and there. tom hurlston yeah he actually started that game which i found slightly weird uh but yeah you are allowed to have one or two, i think i'm not sure what the rules are i think two or three i think overage players are allowed to play over there uh, so yeah tom huddleston did start this game and we beat wolves under 21s only on penalties after a nil nil draw so yeah the kind of penalty hoodoo that haunts our teams normally did not continue into the academy team so they've gone through the next round and we wait and see who they play over there uh, the men's team i think most people probably know are going out for warm weather training out in spain off to Cadiz next week. They will have a couple of friendlies out there as well. We're playing Cadiz and Real Betis just to keep the kind of, I guess, players fresh and the ones who have not gone out there. I mean, there isn't that many, is there? Who's there going to be? De Gea, McTominay, uh, Donny Van Der Beek, Lindelof and Martial, Martial, uh, Sancho. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw actually that. Jaden Sancho is actually being pictured training out in Holland this week. Uh, with a, some kind of amateur club. And as far as I understand, like it was on the recommendation of Eric Ten Hag that he's gone to work with a couple of coaches that Ten Hag knows out in Holland. So instead of having time off, he's been out in Holland doing some extra training because he's not at the best of seasons at all. Obviously, he might have had hopes in the summer to be going to this World Cup. And I think at the end, he was nowhere near getting in the squad. So yeah, he it's good to see at least that he's trying to do something and maybe he can like come back and hit it in December when we get going again.
2: Anything to make him less shit, I'll be, I'm will be. i all for that. Uh,
1: and then, <clears throat> apart from that, like I said, it's all about the World Cup. We will keep recording while this World Cup goes on. Uh, give me a prediction for England. Where do you think England are finishing in this tournament? I still don't know. I feel, I still, I'm still going with the
2: last, uh, quarterfinals. I have a feeling about quarterfinals. I don't think we'll reach the semis again. But, I mean, it, it's as good a start as you could want. It's hard. It, 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 I'm trying not to get too carried away, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a really good start, and I do like our. I do. I really do like our firepower off the bench. I think, in terms of teams, actually, I mean, you know, probably only Brazil can rival us in that department. When you're looking at who you're bringing off, off uh, bringing on off the bench to really change a game, so I think that'll become important as the, as the as the tournament rolls on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say that. Even though I didn't actually think it was going to happen, I actually put a bet on England going out in the group stage, which I no. think is going, which is gone now already. But I was really expecting the worst from this tournament. Like I said, England being in very bad form was thought it was quite an unimaginative kind of squad he'd gone out with over there and all the players going straight in from the Premier League. But yeah, look, they've hit the ground running. As I say, this USA and Welsh game will test our defense more. And it's the defense that I'm most worried about. Uh, so yeah, after we come out of these two games and I think we're probably, yeah, next time we record we'll be after the group stage has finished. Uh, usa coming up and wales so yeah we'll come back next week and see where we're at with mm. the knockouts i mean if i had to give a prediction now uh i'd probably say quarterfinals as well i mean it all depends who we actually draw and who comes out of which group where and things like that
2: i'm quite interested to see how jude bellingham and declan rice do up against uh, like a really good midfield as well i think that'd be a good battle for it could be a good interesting battle for them um like like a game against iran they're obviously going to dominate Um, Wales and USA as well but when they come up against a strong top opposition I'm interested to see because Jude Bellingham just he looks different class at the moment Um, yeah it's only Iran but even even for that for Dortmund as I know know we have our checkered pass with Dortmund players but he actually does look one who's top quality so
1: and both of them too of course are players who are constantly linked with us Uh, you know we've bought in Casemiro but he's 30 odd already so we should already be looking at who's going to be the next one and yeah I would love to have either of them but they're both going to be hugely expensive and yeah seeing them tested at this top top level will give us the idea on how they're ready to cut it but yeah Bellingham had an incredible kind of World Cup debut over there didn't he it's interesting because you say top top I mean
2: I wouldn't I wouldn't say the World Cup is probably as top level as the Champions League in terms of like quality like that's you would I probably argue the top quality, but this it's a different time of quality in terms of you have to perform in a, an environment that's not like suited to you. And I think I think it does bring out like the quality of the different qualities in players. That's why I always put so much stock into England forms, because you have to perform in an environment that's not all to your liking. Like the club club environment is, you know, very much very comfortable. It's very much you have to go somewhere that's not quite what you'd expect and still perform in it. I always put a lot of stock into it, so yeah, I'm interested to see how how they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, England's next round will be whoever comes out of that Group A. Uh, If we finish top, it's looking likely it'll be either Ecuador or Senegal. Uh, If we ended up finishing second, then yeah, it might be the Netherlands. So yeah, obviously that makes the huge difference on which way you go from there. But yeah, we'll know a lot more about this next time we record. Like I say, it will be after the group stage is finished. Uh, Before we round off over here, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, footballprizes.co.uk. Head over to their website and use the code UH10 to get a discount. Obviously, they've got a whole load of World Cup stuff out there at the moment. I've seen uh, Ronaldo signed shirt, Grealish signed shirt. Um, they've got some random other things out there as well. So Mike Tyson signed pop up figure, Tyson Fury signed gloves are there, and uh, they've also got a Qatar Panini album with a whole load of stickers. Uh, I, I don't actually know if the how how popular these are nowadays, but I remember filling in my sticker book all the way back to World Cup '90. I don't know if you used to do them back in the day, and run. Oh yeah. Love a good sticker book. Oh, yeah. I've still got my fully completed – it wasn't the Panini one, actually. I had the Orbis World Cup 90, a full folder. It's still one of my, like, prized possessions of my lifetime. Fully completed. I've still got that in a drawer somewhere. Um, but, yeah, Panini are still churning these out all the time over there. So, yeah, it's cool to see these old kind of traditions still going. Uh, but, yeah, look, head over to footballprizes.co.uk and use the code UH10. Uh, so yeah like I say we will come back after this group stage is complete have a look at what's happening with the rest of our United players in the World Cup and uh, by then yeah we will be seeing who's gone out on this squad for the friendly matches out in Spain as well Uh, but apart from that I think that's a good night from me yep cheers guys
2: thank you for listening to United Hour remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch please email unitedhour at gmail.com Sports Social Podcast
0: Network.